0: In fact, yesterday I started the first day of approximately 300 more weekends, approximately 12 to 13 years of um, heading down to the football field to watch my boy play soccer. So that was cool. So he started his soccer career on Saturday, which is good. Place for the Westminster Jets. Westminster. And uh, yeah, hey, be quiet down here, Blackstone. Don't even get me started. And uh, uh, so that was exciting. So, you know, I was on the sideline, you know, cheering my boy on like every other you know, mature, responsible, adult, I was calm and collected and encouraging my team. When I say calm, what I really mean is me screaming at the team, hurry up and get the ball and score! And uh, reminding all the other parents that my kid's better than theirs. So that was, that was my weekend offending parents. Uh, in fact, at halftime, the uh, referee um, who was the coach of the other team which is a bit biased if you ask me uh, came to my coach and said hey can you talk to number five my boy is number five and he, he, she said listen he's going in hard on my team and he's tackling him doing slide tackles can you tell him to stay his feet and I went to Mally walked over to Mally and I said Mally come here I said mate well done. Go hard. <laughs> Get out there. And uh, so he went out there, and she wasn't very impressed. But uh, maybe I have the Lex Lucas Neil uh, living in my house, and uh, or the next Namanja Vidic, Who knows? And uh, so that was exciting. So anyway, that was my week, and uh, very cool. Well, who had a good Easter holiday weekend? It was, you know, it was good. I did. You know, well, you know, got to have be at two amazing services here, and uh, have lunch at Mum and Dad's house, and. Uh, you know do some stuff with the kids so we had a great week and uh, you know Sunday after Easter we're coming you know out of the Easter period I guess and we're now a week after um, you know the Easter story uh, the day one of Easter story starts with Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and the people put down palms you know it's Palm Sunday and Jesus comes in Jerusalem day two in the Easter story is uh, Jesus goes into church goes into the temple and instead of uh, the, the, the church, the temple, you know, praying, worshiping, whatever, they're all selling stuff. And so Jesus comes in and t- turns up the tables and, uh, you know, stop selling stuff. This is a house of prayer. Day three is, um, Jesus gives a sermon on, 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 on his second coming. Hey, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back. And, uh, it's also the day when Judas starts the, um, uh, uh, you know, betraying Jesus day four, nothing said about day four maybe just an RDO, I guess, for God. Um, Day five, uh, day five is the Last Supper. Day six is the death, uh, the crucifixion, death and burial of Jesus. Um, Day seven, Jesus is still dead. Um, Day eight, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, that's exciting. Um, A guy who came and said, hey, I'm God and I'm gonna die, but I'm gonna come back to life, pulls it off. Uh, That's pretty impressive if you ask me. Uh, comes back to life day eight he comes back to life and starts revealing himself to people and then basically from day eight to day 49 approximately 500 plus people meet Jesus face to face and have an encounter with this resurrected Jesus so for 40 days Jesus reveals himself to people so this morning I thought being day number whatever it is I guess eight or seven, uh, that we would talk about one of the times where Jesus reveals himself uh, to a group of people. Uh, if we were back in Bible days, this would be the time right now where Jesus would be appearing to us and saying, hey, did you like that trick? You know, hey, I'm back. And I said I'm gonna be dead and then come back to life and now I am, look at that. Ta-da, I am God, who knew? You know. And so I thought, let's go through a story this morning and uh, unpack it, amen? Now, the big the big screen... Uh, is it on this morning? The little one is. Oh, no, it's not. It's turned off. Okay. So, um, we, oh, there it is. It's on. There we go. And uh, We're going to be reading from uh, John 21. So, if you got uh, a Bible um, on your phone or iPad, or if you bought the printed version, uh, which is, yeah. What does that look like again? Um, no, no, no. Uh, if you got the printed version, John 21 verses 1 to 14 If you can read it on the screen, uh, great. Otherwise, just keep up with the story with me and you'll understand. Um, It says this, later, so John 21, 1 to 14. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, and Nathaniel. Two sons uh, of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out into the boat, but they caught nothing all night, which is why I don't like fishing. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said, wait, Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, which is another reason why I don't go fishing because sometimes fishing gets awkward when you're naked. (laughs) Who here likes fishing? Hand up if you love fishing. Keep your hand up if you fish naked. No, okay, okay, (laughs) it's dangerous. He jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled in the loaded net to shore for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went abroad, dragged the net from shore, there were 150, uh, 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew that it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. This morning, I want to speak to the thought, it's time for breakfast. It's time for breakfast. Turn your neighbor and say, it's time for breakfast. Turn the other person and say, are you ready for breakfast? (laughs) It's time for breakfast. In this story, there is uh, so much happening, so much happening in this story, and we don't have, I guess, uh, lots of time to unpack everything that's happening, but this morning, I want to unpack just a few things that maybe I can bring to your attention um, that we can apply to our lives, but also at the end of uh, at the in, in 34 minutes and four seconds, we can go, wow, Jesus is nicer than what I thought. That's the end where I wanna leave you this morning, that we would all go, wow, Jesus is actually nicer than what I had thought. Um, there's four things that I wanna bring out and just keep us on track this morning with, and you'll see them here. The first thing that I wanna talk about is I wanna talk about qualifying disqualified people. I want to talk about qualifying disqualified people. The second thing that I want to talk about, is I want to talk about the born identity. Not the movie, uh, although that would be a great, I can preach on the movie if you want. Uh, but I want to talk about the born identity. What is, what is the born identity? What does that mean? I, I want to talk about uh, the beginning is the end. The beginning is the end. And then I want to finish on uh, Jesus Cook's Breakfast and uh, just unpack that. Jesus Cook's breakfast. So we have a story here. Uh, some of Jesus' disciples are out fishing. Jesus comes back and uh, calls them out and cooks them breakfast. I guess what I want to do this morning first is just lay a little bit of foundation in terms of culture and in terms of fishing, okay? I want to talk about culture and I want to talk about fishing. The first thing that we need to understand about this story is this. Every Hebrew boy was trained to be a rabbi. Every Hebrew boy Every Hebrew boy wanted to be a rabbi. That was what they wanted to do. Um, when I was little, I wanted to be a fireman and a soccer player. Right? That's what I wanted to do. Little kids, I want to be policemen. My son Malachi, he's just started prep, and we've got a photo on the fridge of him holding a sign. What do you want to do when you grow up? He wants to be a race car driver. That's what he wants to do. Uh, in Mackay, we would always go to the speedway. He loves the speedway. He loves race cars, and so he wants to be a race car Driver. If you were in grade one at, or in prep as a Jewish boy, it would be rabbi. I want to be a rabbi. Now, this is the thing to be a rabbi, you had to be the best of the best of your class. It was like 1%, not even that, that would actually become rabbis. So the majority of Jewish boys would have been told by a rabbi, a pastor, at one stage in their life, you're not good enough. You're disqualified. You're unqualified you're not good enough. This is how they would choose. By six, the child had to know the entirety of Leviticus. They had to recite Leviticus by six. I'm trying to get my son to just say and, the, and please, right? <laughs> they had to memorize Leviticus. By 12, the child had to had to uh, 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 recite the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Five books they had to recite. Um, by six, if you could... Uh, do Leviticus, you would go into primary school, which was called Bet Hasafar, Bet Hasafar. that was like rabbi primary school. You would attend that. And that's where you would learn the Torah. If you could uh, recite the Torah, uh, the, the, the Torah, you would then go into what would be high school. From 13 to 30, you would go to Bet Midrash. From 13 to 30. I find it interesting, that Jesus, there's no record from 13 to 30. Some people think that he was out doing his daddy's job. Ah, uh, maybe he was at Bet ha Midrash. because when he comes out back on the scene at 30, people are starting to call him rabbi, yeah? Um, so to pass your Torah exam at 12, so at 12 to pass your Torah exam, it wasn't so much um, how much you could memorize and recite. It was more about the quest, what questions could you ask? Because in Jewish culture, the highest form of worship the thing that they said, hey, if, if you can keep doing this, this is the best thing to worship God. For us, we think that worship is coming in. Hey, we're going to worship God this morning. So we turn these lights down. We turn these lights up. We get the smoke into so the Holy Spirit can move. And then we start singing songs. Yeah. When we, and we say that's worship. In Jewish culture, the highest form of worship was to simply talk about God. And so by 12... To pass your Torah exam, it wasn't so much about repeating the Torah. It was more, as a 12-year-old, can you keep the conversation about God going? That was what they were tested on. And so Jesus is 30 and he comes out onto the scene. No, the majority of Jewish boys at one point or another were told by a rabbi, you aren't good enough. You aren't good enough enough go home and do what your dad does that's what they were told go home and do the family trade you're not good enough that dream pop, gone right go back and fish go back and build houses go back and sow. go back and farm jesus at 30 comes onto the scene and people start saying rabbi 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 what would usually happen is the rabbi then would go back to the ha midrash where you got 13 to 30 year olds training and they would choose for themselves for themselves, followers or what we call disciples. The rabbi would go back to the Bet midrash and find disciples, people that would follow in their way, people that would follow in their understanding of asking the right questions. People would follow their interpretation of the Torah. Jesus was supposed to go back to high school to choose for himself some disciples, but he didn't. Jesus instead Goes to the beach. And Jesus goes to the beach and he finds some young men who at one point in their life were told by a rabbi, you aren't good enough. And Jesus qualifies unqualified people. Jesus comes onto the scene and he says, hey, you were told at one point you're not good enough. Follow me. Be my disciple can you imagine for a moment these boys their dreams had been devastated but then a rabbi comes onto the scene and says follow me can you see in the context of this story how important how amazing it was that Jesus came in and he qualifies unqualified people three years later Jesus dies their rabbi dies the man who had qualified them, everyone else said, no, you're not good enough. Jesus says, you are good enough. So Jesus has this special place in their heart, I guess. Their rabbi dies. Along the way, they realize I wasn't just following a rabbi, I was following the son of God. They realize the deity of Christ. Jesus dies. This rocks their world. You know, this rocks their world. And they go back to the very place that Jesus had called them out from. They go back to that very thing that made them disqualified in the first place. They go back to that very thing that Jesus had called them out from. You could imagine for a moment they're fishing and all they're thinking is if with each cast of the line, were we wrong? Was he not the son of God? Did we miss the boat? Did we miss who this man was? So they go back fishing. They go back to what was familiar. They go back to what was comfortable. They go back to what they knew. They didn't continue in what the calling that Jesus had for them. to not be fishes of fish, but be fishes of men. They didn't continue in their ministry. They went back to what they knew, to what was comfortable to them. The question for us this morning is this. What is it in your life that you keep going back to that Jesus called you out from? What is it in my life keep going back to that Jesus called me out from what was it that disqualified me what was it that took me out Jesus came and qualified me (laughs) what is it though that maybe I keep going back to that I know I should be called out from that I am called out from um what's interesting is when Jesus says hey fellows have you caught any fish when he says in, if it was written in Aussie, it would just be, oi, right? Uh, when Jesus says, hey, that word there is called pahedion. Pahedion, it means this. It doesn't mean, oi, it doesn't mean fellows. It means this, little boys. That's what it means. So when Jesus called out, he said, oi, little boys. Figuratively, it means immature. So what Jesus really, when he called out to the disciples, what he was saying was this. Hey, what are you doing here when you know, when you know you're called for something greater? Why are you living this immature life? Why are you living a life you know you should be doing this, but you're doing this? Boys, it's immature. Oh, little boys. That's what Jesus was saying. Why are you going back to the thing I called you out from? It's a bit immature, right? Get some wisdom in your life. By the way, have you caught any fish, right? (laughs) That's what he says. Let me tell you, the resurrection of Jesus is about us. It's about those who are disqualified because of sin, Requalified because of Jesus. That's what the resurrection is about. It's not about some guy dying for our bad things. It's about Jesus qualifying unqualified people. Isn't that good news this morning? Which leads to our identity in Christ. Which leads to our identity in Christ. What I find interesting in this story out of the seven disciples that are on the boat, only three are named. Peter, Nathaniel, and Thomas. Then it's just two sons of Zebedee and two other guys. One of those two other guys was John, like most famous, but he's not named. Why are only three named, but not the other four? Um, in, with ancient writing, like we have all this technology, we can just write stuff down, stuff that is just pointless. We can waste paper. Uh, back then, you couldn't do that. In fact, paper, papyrus, or anything to write on, it was a premium. You had to have lots of money to actually afford to write on scrolls or on things. So, whenever an ancient writer wrote, they wrote with purpose, right? There was a reason why they're writing these words. So, I guess what's, what is the reason why the writer named three but not four? The question I think this morning is what is the same? What, are, what relates these three that doesn't relate these four? And my thought is this this morning the three, Peter, Nathaniel, and uh, uh, Thomas, They're known for their mistakes. It's what they're known for. Peter, what did he do? He denied Jesus three times. He's known for that. Who denied Jesus? Peter. (laughs) He's known for that. Nathanael, what did Nathanael do? Nathanael disqualified Christ straight up. Have you ever heard the saying, nothing good could come out of Nazareth? Ever heard that? Nathanael made that up. He's the author of that saying hey Nathaniel there's this rabbi we think he's God he comes from Nazareth nothing good could come out of Nazareth right and he did that uh, Thomas his nickname is doubting <laughs> doubting Thomas you know these three guys were known for their mistakes they were known for their mistakes I think the writer is trying to point out this Jesus comes back to restore people who makes mistakes. Jesus' Jesus's resurrection was to come back and restore people who make mistakes, who made mistakes. It was the restoration of born identity. That's what, the resur- that's what the resurrection was. It was a restoration of born identity. Did you know that you have a born identity in Christ? Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus, through, through Christ, you have a born identity? Second Corinthians says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that's Jesus, that we might become the righteousness of God. Meaning this, that your life, we live it in a way that shows God. That's who we are. We are reflections of God's goodness, of God's wisdom, of the right way that God wants humanity to live. First Peter says this, you have been born again. Let me tell you, every day in Christ is a new day. Whether you made a, mis- a mistake or not, you're born again. You're new in Christ. That's your identity. Here we go. A bit of heresy maybe this morning. Psalm says this, I say, this is David, I say, you are gods. With an S in a little G. You are gods. You are all children of the Most High. I'll explain that just in a moment. Just hold your stones. First John says this whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God God abides in him and he in God through Christ we're now born of God there is an incarnation of man into God let me explain we say that Jesus uh, Jesus was God incarnate meaning this that Jesus was God and then he took on a second nature for himself, which was humanity. So Jesus was God, he came to earth, but he took on a second nature, that being man. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. So now that Christ lives in us, man is able to take on an additional nature other than our humanity because now we can take on the nature of God because we're clothed in his righteousness. You know, Jesus said that, you know, we're born again. If God God abides in us and we in him, David says, hey, you're children of God, that makes you some form of relation to deity, right? God lives in you, which means this, we're born again, we're made the righteousness, we're heirs to his kingdom, we're God-like in all we do. Because God lives in us, because we are a reflection of God, therefore what we do is what hopefully God would do. Oh, that's heavy, isn't it? (laughs) Essentially this, man becomes the incarnation of God. Because we are in God and God in us, we are his representation in the flesh. Which means this, Ephesians said, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us and you in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things. If you don't know what your born identity is this morning, it's this, to have the spirit of Jesus living in you so that you can represent God to do good things. That's what the resurrection's about. It's not just about, oh, God's taken all the bad things away. It's not about that. It's about that now Jesus lives in you, so go do good things. Represent God. Represent who He is. That's your born identity. Identity, Zeke, that's your born identity. Let me tell you this, it sheds a new light then when you go to work, doesn't it? Maybe when you go to study, go to university, maybe you're at home, you know, house mom with you, with your family, you know, with your kids. You have the born identity to do good works. You might rock up in the office tomorrow. You're not there just to do a job, just to do your daddy's job. But Jesus has qualified you to do good things. When you're in your office tomorrow, look for opportunity to be a minister of God to people who don't know God and do good things come on we're qualified once we weren't once we were lost but now we're found once we were disqualified but now we're qualified <clears throat> to do good things amen um the beginning and the end you know the gospels begin and end the exact same way The Gospels begin and end the exact same way. It's important to know this. Um, If you look back at the story, we talked about it before, Jesus goes to the beach and the Gospels start with him qualifying disqualified people. The Gospels end in John with Jesus re-qualifying people who disqualified themselves. The Gospels end, uh, sorry, the Gospels begin and end the exact same way. It starts with qualifying people and it ends with re-qualifying people. I love that Jesus isn't linear. I love that it's almost symmetry, symmetrical. You know, the whole Bible's like that. Um, the Bible begins with a new creation. It ends with a new creation. The Bible begins with the fall of man at a tree. The Bible ends with the ultimate togetherness of mankind around a tree, right? Everything's The Bible starts with uh, the gospels start with uh, broken dreams being restored. Okay, remember the dreams of the boys was to be a rabbi, yeah? The gospels start with broken dreams being restored and ends with broken dreams being restored. It's good news this morning, isn't it? <laughs> the resurrection is so much more than what we think. You know, it's a resurrection. It's, it's, it's a symbol of hope. It's an analogy of restored purpose. It's the story of you and I being called for something greater um peter probably more than most personally rejects jesus personally you and i yes we've done it personally because we're in relationship with him but jesus flat out face to face he knew jesus physically 100 percent man flat out rejects jesus not once not twice but three times in a court of law peter flat out rejects jesus jesus then comes back I like what Jesus doesn't say. I love that Jesus doesn't say, Peter, you know what? I'm linear and you stuffed it there, you're done. You made a mistake, it's done for you, right? I love that Jesus isn't, isn't that, yeah? Peter denies, Jesus, sorry, Peter has a broken dream. Jesus says, how am I going to qualify you? Jesus, uh, Peter's qualified, has his calling. Then he makes a mistake. I love that Jesus comes back and he says, Peter, get out of the boat come on you know what Jesus says to him actually actually I'm going to head of myself I'm not going to tell you what Jesus said I'm going to keep you in suspension (laughs) how much more for us right this guy blatantly rejects Christ face to face yet Jesus is nice He cooks him breakfast. Jesus is nice. How nice is God? How nice is Jesus? He doesn't get upset at Peter. Why did you do this, Peter? He doesn't ask that question. You know, he's just nice. Jesus is nice. And Jesus cooks breakfast. Jesus cooks breakfast. Here's a fun fact. Who knows the last time that Peter was standing over a fire? Anyone? Yell it out, yell it out. When he denied him, he denied him exactly. The last time Peter was standing over a fire was when he denied Jesus three times in a court of law. Peter is now standing over a fire in front of Jesus. Do you not think that Peter was thinking, <laughs> Denzel Washington did it again, deja vu, right? (laughs) Right? Do you not think that Peter was thinking, hang on, the last time I was in this position, I blatantly denied this guy. If there was one reason for Jesus to be ticked, to be angry, it would be now, right? Peter, you abandoned me. You know, you denied me. You walked away. Not only did you do that, you went back, Uh, to what was comfortable, you know, not only did you deny me, but you sold yourself out, you gave up straight away, Jesus didn't get upset, in fact, the only thing that Jesus says to Peter, it's in the very next story, it's in the very next verse after this story, all Jesus says is this, Peter, do you love me? That's all Jesus says, he doesn't say, why did you do that? He doesn't say, hey Peter, why did you deny me? How did you do it? Why are you? He doesn't ask. I don't think Jesus cares. All Jesus said is, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, of course I do. I made, you know, Peter's probably. I made a mistake. Jesus, of course I love you. And all Jesus says is, well, go feed my sheep. All Jesus was saying was this, Peter, do you love me? You, oh, yes, I do love you, Jesus. Okay. Go back to your calling. I'm re-qualifying you, Peter. Don't live, don't live in the past mistakes. Don't live in those things that can hold you back and anchor you down to regret. Break that regret off your life and do something with yourself. I'm qualifying you. Jesus comes in. He didn't ask why or how. All he said was, do you love me? Peter says yes. And then Christ uh, reaffirms who Peter is. Is, you know, this is it. Christ's reaction to those who rejected him the most was simply to cook them breakfast. That was it. Not get angry not take up the higher self-righteous road, not, you know, not be offended, you know, but simply, hey, I'm just gonna re-qualify this relationship. You know? I'm just gonna restore this relationship. Pete, do you love me? Fantastic. Let's just go and be a mature Christian now. Let's just go and do what you're called to do. Jesus cooks them breakfast. I wonder this morning, is there someone in your life right now that you need to cook breakfast for? Is there somebody in your life right now that you need to cook a proverbial breakfast for? Maybe a phone call just to say, "Hey, it's all good." It's all good. Whatever is between you and I, it's done. It's all good. Maybe a letter. Who do you need to cook breakfast for? Who? in your life where there's maybe a broken down relationship, do you need to restore? And not get upset, not ask why, why are you this way? Why have you done this to me? But just simply say, hey, I love you. Let's have breakfast. Let's let's just finish this now. Whatever it is that's keeping you and I apart in disharmony, let's fix it so that there's harmony. That's what the resurrection is about. The resurrection of Jesus is not about fixing bad things. The resurrection is about restoring relationships. The resurrection is about reminding people what their born identity is. The resurrection is about qualifying disqualified people. The resurrection is about cooking breakfast. That's what the resurrection is about this morning. The Easter message in itself, um, it's not an evacuation theology, meaning this. I don't give my life to Jesus so that one day I get out of hell, right? I don't give my life to Jesus so that one day I get to heaven. I don't give my life to Jesus to get out of this world. I don't think Jesus is into evacuation theology. In fact, Jesus hardly ever talks about heaven and hell, hardly ever what he does talk about is bringing heaven to earth I think the Easter message is actually about an occupation theology that now that I've experienced Christ and Christ is in me it's not so that I can get out and go to a utopian society eventually but Christ is in me and I'm in him so that I can bring that utopian society here that whoever I have a connection with, whoever I have uh, a, you know, a relationship with, whoever I come in contact with, I can bring some kind of heaven to their life. That's what the Easter message is about, people. That's what the resurrection is about, bringing heaven to earth. Bringing heaven to earth. Ask yourself the question, who do I need to cook breakfast for who do i need uh, where do i need to bring heaven the will of god where do i need to bring where do i need to bring the niceness of god into my world this morning let me tell you jesus is nicer than what we think god likes you god likes you he enjoys you and god likes other people <laughs> even when we don't God enjoys other people, even when we don't. And so, the resurrection is about us going. You know what, God? I don't, but you know, you do. And I need to cook some breakfast. I need to restore some relationships. Amen. You know, this morning you might be here, and maybe for the first time you've heard that there's a God that genuinely cares for you. You know, Jesus isn't about rituals. He's not about rules. Jesus didn't come to start a new religion he simply came to be a conduit to show us how to have a relationship with God that's what Jesus came to fix that he came to reconcile we've heard that word as Australians or people living in Australia reconciliation that's what he came to do he came to reconcile man back to God because once we were separated but now through Christ a bridge has been built a wall has been broken down and a bridge has been built to God. Jesus breaks walls, and he builds bridges. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've never crossed over that bridge. It's really easy. All you do is just say yes to Jesus. That's it. If you want restored relationship with God, maybe you want to know your, your born identity. You want to be qualified in something greater than yourself. Simply saying yes to Jesus, that's all, that's all it is. The Bible says just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. That's it. And it says that you're saved. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart and it's done. That's what you have to do. Maybe this morning you're here and you're going to say, Pastor Tim, I would love to say yes to Jesus. Let's just close all of our eyes right now. Just, if that's you here today and you're saying, Pastor Tim, uh, I want to say yes to Jesus. Just in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I just, just, just want to pray for you. If that's you here this morning, you're saying, hey, I've never done this. I've never said yes to Jesus. Um, I just want to pray just, just pray over you and do something there and just help be there for the beginning of your journey I guess if that's you if you can just give me a quick wave where you are Pastor Tim pray, please just pray for me just give me a quick wave this morning if you're here and you have never said yes to Jesus before you're saying hey I want to say yes to Jesus this morning anyone here this morning just give me a quick wave just want to pray for you awesome thank you sir anyone else here thank you thank you up the back anyone else saying pastor tim please pray for me this morning i want to say yes to jesus i want to say yes to restored relationship i want to say yes to a born identity i want to say yes to qualifying me even though i feel unqualified anyone here yes to jesus this morning awesome thank you up the back awesome Anyone else? Cool. Well, just so I know who I'm praying for, if you just, well, we keep our eyes closed. If you can just give me one quick wave because there was three and I just want to just make sure I know who you are. So if you can put your hand back up, yes. One, two, three. Awesome, cool. Very cool. Awesome. Hey, why don't we just all pray this together, hey, and just all of us rededicate our lives to Jesus. And if you did put your hand up, all all I ask is this you just really believe it with your heart and uh, yeah, that's it amen let's say this together Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross paying for my sins giving me a fresh start today I give you my life I ask you to forgive me for going my own way today I repent be the Lord of my life and with all of my heart I'm going to find out what pleases you Amen. Come on, let's give it up for those three people this morning. That's so cool. Woo! That's awesome. Adding to the family. That's what it's about, church. That's cool. Let me leave you with one thought today. One thought. It's time for. It's time for. It's time for. Meaning this. What do I need to do to bring heaven to earth and restore relationship? qualify unqualified people and give people an identity amen that is our job because you are in Christ Jesus amen why don't we stand this morning and we're just gonna give some give God some worship today